0: Companies all over the globe are developing and molding their own give-back models. My name is Christine Petrella, and I'm fortunate enough to host a podcast where I can speak with these companies and help us all learn the unique ways that companies, big and small, are doing good things in their communities and giving back to so many important causes. My next guest is Sammy Yeager. She's the founder of Fuel Collective and co-host of the Date Forever podcast. She is borderline obsessed with the way the quality of our relationships impacts the quality of our lives. Sammy uses her unique blend of knowledge about business, relationships, and contribution to work towards creating a better world. Sammy is a huge advocate of the UN global goals and knows that the key to making true global progress starts with the quality of our relationships. Sammy Yeager, co-founder of Fuel Collective. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yes. Yeah, so it's evening here in the US on the East Coast. It is a morning for you. I got to say, I get jealous when I follow you on Instagram and you're telling everyone, happy Friday. And I'm like, ah, it's still Thursday here. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're in the future. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to learn more about your business because I love the concept of how you flip the model of relationship coaching from reactive to proactive. So tell me a little bit more about Fuel Collective.
1: So Fuel Collective, we are in a kind of like a pre-launch phase still. So we haven't launched our first big grand give us money kind of product into the world yet. It's very, 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 very close. Basically, the idea came a really long time ago, probably almost five years ago. And I sat on it for quite some time. But my husband and I were in our sort of mid to late 20s and we already had friends like really great friends who had been through some pretty horrific breakups and in some cases divorce, what we noticed in this pattern was that a lot of the people in these relationships had either come from family homes where they hadn't seen a healthy, happy, thriving relationship or their parents were in some sort of relationship still together, but it wasn't necessarily what they were trying to model. So then these two people had gone out into the world, they'd met someone, they'd stepped into love, and then they'd gone about trying to make a relationship and a life together without the tools that they really needed to do that. So we kind of went to the market and looked at like what is there for couples who have met their person, feel like they've got long-term intent with this person, and they want to spend their life together. And there really wasn't anything. There was kind of like information for people who are in the dating world and they're trying to find that person, you know, how to present, how to show up well on a date, good questions to ask, all that sort of stuff. There's lots of info for that. And then there's kind of this break where there's like, oh, go and get a smidge of counseling right before you get married, but after you've already made the big decision. And then there's, plenty of stuff for you've been together a while, you're married, you've got kids maybe, and things has gone a bit pear-shaped or things have not gone as you expected. And it's not fulfilling you the way that you anticipated. So there's a whole heap of information for couples who have hit that stage, but that's all reactive. That's after the problems have occurred. That's after you've got uncomfortable. I kind of think of it the same way that you go to the gym to prevent a lot of health issues. We're thinking about fuel collecting in that same way. What can couples do day in, day out to keep their relationship fueled up so it doesn't break down?
0: So I was going to ask you that. I was wondering, there's a stigma here in the United States that if you seek relationship help, if you seek relationship guidance or marriage counseling, a lot of people look at it as an embarrassment. I don't feel that way. I think you, know, you go out and you ask for help. I'm an open book and I think it's super healthy. So are, you're noticing the same in Australia is, is just not there.
1: Yeah. And referencing some of our own personal experiences, like with close friends, like we thought these people would be together forever. Like we went to their weddings, we stood there, we watched them do the thing. And then like only a handful of years later, done, dead in the water. And when we sort of talked to couples, it was either that we had no concept that things were not great. And as their close friends and network, like we can't support them if we don't really know what's going on. But I think there's this really uncomfortable thing that the idea that when you meet your person and they're the one, that it's just going to be this happily ever after fairy tale thing. And it's just not true. I'm a big Moulin Rouge fan, and there's this song that's like, Love is all we need. And I, that's just not it. Like, we need love and we need aligned values and we need a commitment to go in the same direction, all of those things but these couples are trying to hold up the fairy tale version or the social media presentation of their relationship. So they don't ask for help. And then when they do ask for help, they've already been in pain for a really long time. I kind of think of it like if the house was on fire, when do you call the fire brigade? When the fire starts,
0: not after it's engulfed half your house. Wow. That's a great way to look at it. So when are you seeing, You know, and you're in your pre-launch. So Are you starting to see a certain stage within these relationships that they're coming to you? Are you seeing it's all mid-fire?
1: This is the marketing challenge of trying to talk to an audience who maybe don't realize that they have a problem yet, or they've got an absence of conversations, which is hiding the problem. So this is our marketing challenge, but people can do it. Other products have done it. So I'm sure we can. We're really trying to talk to couples who feel like they've found their person and they're on the tipping point of merging lives. They're on the tipping point of moving in together or getting engaged or buying their first big asset together, but they haven't necessarily done all of the things that has mapped out their future life together yet.
0: So you have this podcast and it's great. I've listened to a few episodes. It's called Date Forever. And you talk about the excitement in one of your episodes around a surprise date. Is that well-received when you talk to people about setting up a surprise date? Or is that just something that you and your husband like to do?
1: I don't know. So the concept of the show is Yet Date Forever. It's about dating yourself and your chosen person forever and ever. And it being an active and proactive intention to make room in your life for your romantic partner, for the person that you've chosen to do life with, actually making time for them. What a wild idea. But it's really hard. Life happens. We have careers and we have businesses and we have hobbies and we have friends and we have family and we have networks and we have commitments and we have the logistics of running our lives, keeping ourselves fed and watered and all of those things. Like that's not necessarily easy, especially if you haven't set about putting some frameworks or systems in place to make those things easy and you're doing everything reactively. So yeah, the idea of Dating Forever... Uh, John and Julie Gottman from the Gottman Institute have done so much research on relationships and it's one of their fundamental pieces of advice is regular quality time is a absolute pillar of having a strong relationship. So the idea of dating forever and creating experiences and new experiences for your partner and in turn receiving new experiences from your partner is such a gift. And I can't encourage couples enough to put this into their relationship in whatever way works for them, surprise or
0: not. So at what point in the journey, did you and your husband look at each other and say, okay, we have this podcast and now we're going to launch this business where we're empowering couples to thrive?
1: So the business actually came first. The idea of Fuel Collective, it didn't have a name. It was nameless. It was Project Dinosaur for probably a year, maybe longer. <laughs> but when we started talking about this idea of being proactive and you know, you drive your car and you can't expect to keep driving it and driving it and driving it and driving it without stopping to put fuel in. And the same for your body. It needs fuel to keep going. I thought like, well, that's such a perfect kind of analogy for our relationship. Like what if we were actively taking time to put fuel back in? The business sort of started to take shape Our big vision is that we've got a membership model community full of people who are actively doing this, who are actively living the methodology of, let me refuel my relationship with intention. And what does that look like as a a service or as a business is experts who are the absolute best at what they do in all of the different areas of relationships. Not just here's how to learn how to communicate, but here's how to learn how to make a household budget. And here's how to have a conversation about when you do or don't need it, certain types of insurance. And here's how you navigate relationships with in-laws. And here's how you develop a deeper relationship with yourself. And here's how you develop hobbies. You know, all of these kind of parts of a relationship that are not necessarily relationship coaching because our lives together have so many moving parts that we want to have a panel of experts that. Took to the thing that they are best at, that allow couples to have a buffet of curated content and ideas and experts that help them have a really thriving relationship. So that's the concept for the business. And then when we started talking about launching and how we were going to do this, we realized that Nathan and I were both coming to this industry and this space as not professionals. I'm not a coach. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert aside from having my own lived experience of marriage and a long-term relationship. And Nate's the same. He's an engineer. I'm a business consultant. So we decided to launch the podcast so that we could have these conversations with experts and sort of start to build that community, start to build that audience in a really low barrier free way. Anybody can jump on and listen to a podcast. So there was kind of that side of it, but then there was also stress testing my and Nate's relationship in terms of what are we willing to share? Where are we willing to go with the big wide public and the internet? Where are we not willing to go? But also developing some ideas and some concepts. And do we want to talk about this day in, day out while providing some really great ideas from experts?
0: So how do you and Nate find that balance when you're working together and you're living together and your relationship kind of morphs into that business? How are you doing that? And we currently are in lockdown together too. So
1: (laughs) no one leaves ever. Oh, goodness. When did that start? Uh, In Sydney, I think we're on day like 11, somewhere around there. And I don't know what number lockdown this is either. So (laughs) uh, it's been an interesting 18 months. And we registered the business name in December 2019. (laughs) So the idea was sitting around, lots of pre-work was happening before that. But yeah, we've been doing this through that, this pandemic period. How do we do it as a couple? Nate has his day gig. I have my day gig. So we don't have two circles sitting on top of each other. We have two circles that I've got an overlap. One of the challenges that we've found is that because we're not out and about doing our normal social things in a physical sense, the tendency is just to work all the time. And it is to like, oh, we could just tweak that sales page. And oh, we could just amend that email nurturing sequence or, oh, we could just create this other video or we could just... All these things. And I think this is our first business together. And it's brought up so many cool things. I've really loved watching Nate grow. He's come from a a defense industry, very red tape. Things have to be done a certain way. And now he's co-founder of a business that's using Google Suite and he can literally log into the back end of the website and make a change now. You can do it now. So that's been really empowering for him and watching him learn this whole other thing. And for me, it's been really nice to acknowledge what I'm not so great at. (laughs) Because this is the first business that I've done with another person and that person's my husband. And he's so great at the things that I'm shit at. (laughs) So that's been really beautiful for our relationship to acknowledge, hey, you are so great at that. I am not.
0: And I see that's how so many relationships work is playing off the strengths of your significant other.
1: And I think one of the keys to like making it work is we've made decisions while we've both been emotionally sober about if this happens, if we get to a crunch point where we don't agree on something, who gets to take the decision? And we've kind of had those conversations around, well, like if it's a tech thing, then that Nate gets to play lead. He takes Trump's. Whereas if it's a, like a marketing decision or a sales decision, that's me. So we've kind of had those conversations about, well, when we lock horns, which we know we will let's agree now who gets to be the boss. (laughs) So any couples who are uh, looking at doing that, I think one of the best things I've learned from business and leading teams is that if everybody's accountable, nobody is accountable. So, having a clear line of Nate, that's your task, that's your job, that's your responsibility, that's your rock
0: versus what's mine, and knowing who exactly on the field is doing what. What great advice for the entrepreneurs out there listening. Take note of that word of advice. If you are getting involved with your significant other or partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, make sure you define the roles from the start. It just sounds like it's going to make the process go a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And one of the things too, is that we've always agreed that if there's not a seat in the business for that person, they don't just get it because they're a founder. If we grow to a point where Nate should not be the tech person and I should not be doing partnerships and relationships, then we shouldn't be doing that. We want to work with the best.
0: So we have to earn the seat too. Of course. And outsourcing too. Is that something that you are open to as well?
1: Yeah. We've got a tiny little team maybe five um, who help us in different bits and pieces um, from like social media and podcast editing and running some Facebook ads and growing our group and audience, all that kind of stuff, which is amazing too, because it helps us keep our time really leveraged to the things that we are great at.
0: Right. Just delegating, using that team for help. So I want to talk about your give back. 20% of your profits are helping support education projects. So can you give us a little bit more detail about the impact that you have with your give back?
1: Yeah. So this is interesting to talk about 20% of profit while we are zero profit, because we've built in giving from day zero. In startup, there's expenses and we've just attributed giving as an expense while we're pre-profit. But that is our intention. That's what we're doing even before there's money in the door. For me, we were always going to build a business that was quad win. So what I mean by that is that it has to be a win for Nathan and I. It has to be a win for our clients. It has to be a win for our partners and stakeholders. And it has to be a win for the world.
0: If there ever comes a time where we're not taking those four, we have lost our way. That's impressive. And I want to know, so how did you find out about B1G1? And I'm assuming that is Buy One, Give One. Yes. The company name is B1G1.
1: Yes. So Buy One, Give One is our preferred giving platform. So it's a membership model where we pay a membership fee and that membership fee scales depending on the size of business that you're in. That membership fee covers all of the things from vetting projects, identifying projects, all of the infrastructure that's required for payment processing, all of those kinds of things. And for that organization to run community events and grow the membership And then what that means is that when we give to a project that's on the B1-G1 platform, 100% of what we give goes to that project. So the way that B1-G1 kind of works is they take a project at large and it might be, say, providing a school uniform to a child in Kenya. And they take the cost of that uniform for the year and they go, well, what would it cost at a daily level? And then you can make contributions at that really small level. So there's no barrier to giving.
0: And what's amazing about that concept is they are pre-vetted organizations or pre-vetted projects. So if a entrepreneur is looking to have a give back business and you worry about the time commitment of researching those organizations, which is huge amongst a lot of the entrepreneurs I talk about, they say, I don't know how to vet or how do I vet someone and know that they're reliable? Well, B1G1 does that for you. So they're actually going in and pre-vetting those partners. I think there was over 500 high impact vetted projects that you can kind of choose from. And correct me if I'm wrong, but education is really one of your biggest projects that you're working on. So can you talk a little bit about why education is so important?
1: We've wrestled with this a little bit around how we wanted to embed giving and what we really wanted to throw our, our weight behind in the sense of like, what's our big moonshot? What's the thing that would just like really be amazing? And we were like, well, is it a certain number of days of education? Is it getting a certain number of people out of poverty? Is it cleaning up an entire beach region? Like what was the thing, like the one big moonshot kind of thing that we really cared about? And we looked at it from all the different angles and how we wanted to embed that into our our business and our DNA. And we thought, do you know what? We're providing education let's give to education. We know that that is one of the fastest ways we can get people up and above that poverty line. It has such an incredible return on investment for the money that goes in and the outcomes that you get when you spend it on education. So we want to see a world where nobody is without education. Nobody is without the means to better themselves and better their families and their communities and their networks. And When we start educating our citizens, incredible
0: ripple effects happen. And I went to ConcernUSA.org, very interesting site, and they listed some barriers in education. And I read through half of them and I was overwhelmed because it was just nothing I had thought of before. And a few of them were lack of toilets, harvest and market days, child marriage, a.k.a. forced marriage, conflict and war, climate change and unpaid teachers. So all of these were on the concernusa.org website with many more. And these are all high concerns of education. So when you think of let's say harvest and market days, there are some cultures and there are some countries out there who when they're harvesting, you know, that their farms are number one. So when harvest is ready, they're pulling their children out of school and they're going to work. So I never even thought that that was one of the barriers to education. Now I know. Lack of toilets. If a child has an upset stomach and they can't go to school that day, or girls who are on the period, you know, they're missing 20% of their education days. And just these things are all barriers to education and lack of education. So it's really neat that that's one of your goals and a mission of yours.
1: Yeah. And it's not even that, that is a huge part of it, but there's even just the perception from a family, a generational family that they weren't educated, their parents weren't educated, their grandparents weren't educated. And now all of a sudden they're being asked to send their kid to school. Like what? So there's this big systemic part of it in, for example, Cambodia, kids can go to school, but they have to have a school uniform. So that school uniform can be expensive to buy. And sometimes family don't, they literally have no food. So they'll sell that school uniform so that they can eat. And when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like no point going to school if you (laughs) are not fed and watered. So it's a very complex global issue and we need to do better.
0: We absolutely do need to do better. And I was on your Instagram and I noticed that you are also involved in global goals for I'll do a screenshot of the conversation because obviously the listeners can't see this. I'll do a screenshot and post it. But the United Nations Foundation highlights 17 worldwide issues. Some examples are having a goal where no child that has a disease that we know how to cure will live with that disease. We want to cure that. All people get clean water, protect our oceans and our forests and our seas. So I know you're also very involved in that foundation and just the awareness behind that. How has that changed your mission in growing your company, just being involved there?
1: As I was preparing for this interview, I was reflecting on like, when did I know this? What was my fork in the road moment where I realized that business can be a force for good? And I can't find it. I went so far back. I went to like my first job out of high school and it was before that. And I really can't find it. But one of the gifts of the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals is that it provides an incredible framework for identifying the problems that we need to solve. So the agenda is that we want to try and hit them by 2030. That is coming up so freaking fast. When I started talking about these global goals and when they first got decided, it was a de- you know more than a decade away, and now it's less than a decade away. And the goals I really feel are a great way to rally people around a shared vision and a shared framework. If you look at those 17 global goals, and you know everything from life below land to clean water and sanitation and gender equality, like if you look at those 17 goals and you can't find something that really pulls on your heartstrings, go deeper because it's in there. (laughs) There's something in that framework, in those 17 goals for everyone to contribute to. We all have a responsibility to get behind these goals.
0: We do. And I watched the video on the United Nations Foundation website and it really is, like you said, it's global goals. And you have... On your board, it says better relationships equal a better world. So how, when my relationship grows with my husband and you know, your relationship grows with your husband and, and so on and so forth, how are we helping better the world?
1: I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're sick and you've got the cold or you've got a flu or something like that. I want you to reflect and say, how helpful was I to other people and the community and the world that I live in while I was sick? Probably not very. You are probably very busy taking care of yourself. You're busy taking care of yourself as you move through that sickness. And relationship breakdowns or relationship dysfunctions are very, very similar. They take so much time, money, energy away from two people who could otherwise be solving much bigger problems than you didn't do the groceries or how are we gonna organize our our life this week or what are we gonna eat or we aren't having sex? Like if you can solve all those really everyday problems that are gonna show up, they're gonna continue to show up throughout the duration of your relationship, if you can solve those, you can direct your energy out. And there's a number, but I don't have a fresh of mind about the cost of separation and what it costs the economy when two people choose to go their separate ways, particularly if there's children involved. So if we can reduce that by having better relationships, it impacts workplaces, it impacts economies, it impacts countries, and in turn, the world. If we're busy solving problems in our home and our relationship, we can't dedicate energy to those 17
0: goals. Very interesting. So in your pre-launch days. Do we have an idea of when we can start to see more from Fuel Collective?
1: Oh, really soon. So our first product that we're launching is called Couple and Team. And it's an online course for couples who are in that first few years of their relationship. And they want to keep their spark alive, but they also want to be a really epic team. And they've got a few dysfunctions or things that aren't quite running as smoothly as they maybe want to. So you can move through this course together, set some really big goals, understand each other's communication frameworks, figure out what teamwork looks like for the two of you, figure out the best way for the two of you to resolve conflict, identify what your big values are, what which ones you share, and how you can just really design your life intentionally together.
0: And I want to say thank you for, you know, since day one, you had said, or I guess day zero, you had said you wanted to dedicate that percentage of your profits to certain organizations and education projects. And I very much admire that. So how can we help you best?
1: Oh, come and listen to the podcast. So Date Forever podcast, come and join the Thriving Couples Collective. If that's you, if you're in the first few years of your relationship, come and hang out with us and get around what we're doing. And of course, buy from us. (laughs) Buy from us.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's something we could do and I would love to support you. And I'm looking forward to seeing everything that you have coming out. I have learned a lot. I mean, global goals. I have to be honest. I did not do my part in knowing that that was available for me to research. And when I went down that rabbit hole, I was so overjoyed with learning all of the different ways that I can become a better citizen and ways that I can help the greater good and the greater goals worldwide. So thank you for opening up my mind to that. B1G1, never heard of them before. And now I am a huge fan of what B1G1 is doing to help support entrepreneurs.
1: Come Come on over. over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've actually already filled out a form and I've gotten a lot more information. So I'll attach all of their details into the website, into the show notes. And Sammy, thank you so much for your time. I am so looking forward to everything that you have coming out. Thank you. And to you, this is incredible. Fuel Collective is more than a business. It's a movement towards better relationships. By using a blend of business and relationship tools, they empower couples to create and keep thriving relationships. They flipped the model of relationship coaching from reactive to proactive through their eight tank fueled up life methodology that allows couples to quickly identify what area of their life or relationship needs fuel before it hits empty. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Give Back Model. Please head over to your listening avenue of choice and leave a review, like, subscribe, follow, and check out our website, thegivebackmodel.com for more episodes, show notes on each guest, and the Give Back Model merchandise where $5 from every hoodie sold goes to charity. I appreciate all your support and continue to help give back to your community.